Before Pastor Neil comes to share with us, have the scripture reading. Y'all pay close attention if you're reading out of the Bible that are in the pews this morning. The page number, if you have trouble with it, is page one. We'll be reading verses 1 through 5 and then 14 through 19. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning the fourth day. that don't have you awake <laughs> don't know what we're going to have to do but we'll, we'll crank it up even more next week we don't want you to get immune to it you know and start getting sleepy on us or anything so let there be light it's a new series and uh, well let's just first off say how many of you have a kid or a grandkid uh, right now who's afraid of the dark anybody in here <laughs> We've got just one or two, three, four, five, 
They're starting to pop up around here. Okay, how many of you are still afraid of the dark? (laughs) Several hands go up. I think all of us, to some degree or another, are a little bit scared of the dark. We might not think of it that way. We may not, you know, like personally, I prefer my room at night just to be pitch black. I mean, just turn it out. I don't need distractions. I don't need any of that. But that's in my room, right? But if I'm somewhere else, it may be a different scenario. I'd much rather have some light if I'm in an alley, right? <laughs> we'd, we'd rather have some light in the unfamiliar alley than to be found in a dark alley. Or if I'm in the woods, right? You don't want to be in the woods at night. That's creepy. Uh, you know what's even creepier than the woods? Our churches. <laughs> All right? How many of you have been in a church by yourself in the dark? Yeah. Oh, man. I remember when I first took the job in Springfield, it was, you know, and I, you start living at a church when you're in ministry, right? And I remember one time, you know, I was, I was up there by myself, and, and it, was, it was dark, it was late. And to this day, I'm telling you, someone, I watched the door close. Like, someone opened a door in the building, and it closed. <laughs> I watched the light shift, and the door, and I heard the door click, and... And I still to this day don't know who else was in there with me. <laughs> I didn't go hunting. Well, I may have looked around a little bit. I didn't look too hard, I can tell you. Something, and, and most, you know, if you were in a youth group, you probably played some kind of game in the dark, right? You know, we used to play sardines. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're, it's kind of like a backward sort of hide and seek. But anyway, it involves being all by yourself in the furthest reaches of the church until someone finds you. And that's... About as scary as it gets right there, too. It's something about churches. When they're bright, it's a wonderful place to be. <laughs> when you're dark and it's alone, not so much. You know, is there a more universally understood metaphor than light and dark? I, I kind of doubt that there is. Light and dark. From the earliest times, people of every culture, of every creed, every religion, every region of the world, every time period that we've had in our history, people have understood this metaphor of light and dark, that light is good and that dark is bad. And and maybe this just has to do with that every 24 hours, we all experience light and we all experience dark. And it's always been that way for as long as we've existed. And we all know that in, in the light... Even the most dangerous of circumstances somehow seems a little bit more manageable than in the dark. We know that in the dark, troubles and dangers, they seem to multiply. Night is when the wolves come out. Dark is when the prowlers prowl. And we've, it's always been that way. This metaphor of light and dark has invaded every aspect of our culture, our movies, our art, our literature, chock full with imagery of light and dark. And they all mean something. Think about just a few of these. Maybe you can help me out here. Um, Some of these will be easy for all of you. Some of them not so much. But who's that guy? Lone Ranger. Not too much confidence in the room, but, you know. The Lone Ranger, right? And he has the white horse. 
He has the white outfit. I don't know why they couldn't find him a white mask to go with everything else. But uh, you know, maybe props were more limited back in the 40s. And What about uh, this movie? What's that? Wizard of Oz, right? And you've got the good Dorothy in her white shirt and blue dress, whatever she's got going on there. And then, of course, you've got the witch dressed in black. This one might be a little tougher for some of you. Anyone know what this is? What's it from? Lord of the Rings. I hear some whispers. And the guy in white is Gandalf. All right, well, technically it's gray, but... And, and then the... We won't get into who that guy is. Obviously, he's a bad dude. So, we've got the good guy, you know, with the light. This one? Everyone should know this one, right? Everyone's favorite movie series, Star Wars. <laughs> okay, a few of us. And you've got the bad guy in black, and you've got Luke Skywalker in probably gray again, but, you know, light and dark. In our lives, in our culture, we know that a lot of times people wear something dark to a funeral, right? Everyone's got like a something black or something dark that they have so that they can wear to those occasions. On the other hand, when someone gets married, they find the whitest dress they can find, right? Usually. Why is it that they make us guys wear black? <laughs> what are they trying to say, fellas? I never really thought about that until just now. <laughs> uh, and on a personal level, we each experience moments of light and dark in our own lives, don't we? And for many of us, the darkness at times can seem overwhelming. But perhaps it's no wonder that God then chose this great metaphor of light and dark, this metaphor that people have understood throughout the ages. And he chose this to use himself throughout Scripture in a bunch of different ways because he knew we'd understand it and so he uses it to describe himself he uses it to describe and explain spiritual truth to us the first thing that you read when you open your Bible page one, right is that there was darkness and into the darkness, God spoke, let there be light. And there was. And he placed lights in the heavens. That would be our stars, our sun, our moon. And those lights that he made give us our seasons. They give us our time. Our calendars, the tides of the ocean, even a guide. Here, I, don't, I wouldn't know what to do with it, but they tell me that smart people can figure out how to get where they're going just by looking at the stars. And at the center of all this great metaphor of light and dark, we have a God of light and on the other side from him we have a prince of 
darkness. We're going to look at several examples of how God uses this metaphor throughout this series, but today let us consider this one. It's found in James. The book of James is actually a letter from James, who we believe to have been the brother of Jesus. And he wrote this letter to Christians in the early church. And this verse has always stood out to me as I guess it struck me when I first kind of came across it um, several years back that it was kind of odd and unique. It kind of almost stands by itself in this first chapter to, in a sense. And, um, well, I'll just read it. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. A slightly more literal translation is very similar, and it reads, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is not variation or shifting shadow. A very uh, more poetic and modern translation says, Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. And the gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. Here, James is trying to teach us something of the goodness of God. And to do so, he invokes that age-old metaphor of light and dark. Of course, God is literally the Father of lights because he created Light. And of course, we all understand light to be a good thing. So it's easy for us to process this metaphor of God as the Father of lights and the giver of good things. But then there's this statement that maybe strikes us as a little bit odd. It says, He does not change like shifting shadows. Maybe you're familiar with the age-old hymn, we'll sing a little bit of it in a moment, but great is thy faithfulness. And there's a line in there that's taken from this verse. The line that says, There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. That's taken from right there. There's no shadow of turning with thee. What does that really mean, though? See, James is drawing this line from God to light, that God is good and light is good. But he doesn't want us to take the imagery too far. Because, you know, while the sun gives good gifts <laughs> in the sense of things growing, and, and the moon and the stars, they, uh, they are blessings to us. And in a similar fashion, God is a blessing to us. And yet he's different from those lights that he created. And one of those ways that we might consider and that James is trying to point out to us is that with God there's no shifting. You know, when when the sun comes up in the morning, the shadows are long. And as it travels through the sky, those shadows shift until eventually in the evening we're engulfed in shadow in night. And then it comes back up the next morning. We do it all over again. In another sense, the 
as the earth you know, moves around the sun and does its thing and, and we can get all scientific with it. But basically, uh, sometimes the sun is pointed kind of more directly at our northern hemisphere or like right now, it's pointed more directly at the southern hemisphere. And so those of us in the north, we get a little chilly, <laughs> you know, and the, and the shadows get a little bit longer because the sun is at more of an angle. The seasons change. Our days get shorter. But James says there is no such change in our God. His goodness is constant, unchanging, unfailing, unswerving. It's part of his character. It's who he is. And it pours down like streams of light from the Father of light to invade and disperse our darkness. Light and dark. You personally understand the metaphor in your life and you always have. It represents good and evil. Truth and lies. Hope and despair. Joy and sorrow. Right and wrong. You feel it personally because you have known real darkness in your life if you've lived any amount of time. Evil, lies, sorrow, despair, wrong. These are things that we encounter in this life. But if you know God, you also know something of true light, of goodness, of truth, of joy, of hope, of right. For God is the author of light. He created the physical lights, but he also is the author of spiritual light, which we hunger for. And unlike the lights that he hung for us in the skies, his light is constant and steady and faithful. In a letter written not too far, you find it not too far from James, just a few pages later in 1 John Chapter 1, we read that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Do you realize what this means? It means that no matter how dark the night, no matter how dark the darkness is that we may face at any given time in our lives, there is a source of light that never burns out, that never dies, that never fades. So, this is on your note card. It was kind of a no-brainer today. I'll try to make it harder on you next time. The answer was right there on the card. (laughs) Let's fill it in. It says, when you face darkness of many kinds, remember, our God says, let there be light. Will you read that with me? When you face darkness of many kinds, remember our God says, let there be light. Let's do it one more time, but say it with some more conviction and Matt Gore try to keep up. Uh, Got a little behind there. Alright, so when we get to those last four words with all caps, we've got to act like it's written in all caps. Okay, here we go. 
when you face darkness of many kinds, remember our God says, let there be light. Whew, that was good. <laughs> let me ask you today in your life, what darkness are you afraid of? What haunts you? What hangs over your head? What evil lurks in your closet? There's darkness in your life of some kind or another, is there not? Many of you sitting here today feel like you probably have a dark cloud following you around. And I'm not trying to be a prophet. This is the common human experience. If you're experiencing any kind of darkness, you're, you're not the odd man out. You're one of the rest of us. What is it for you? Maybe a tragic experience in your past that won't seem to let go. Maybe the next time it crops up, you can remember that our God says, let there be light. Or a dark habit you can't seem to kick. Next time, remember, we serve a God who says, let there be light. Abuse or a voice in your head that tells you you'll never be good enough, you'll never measure up. There's a God who says, let there be light. Depression, addiction, family drama, brokenness. Let there be light. Money problems, job problems, the list could go on and on because there's no shortage of darkness in this world, but there is a God who says, let there be light. And so, there is light. Friend, are you needlessly living in darkness today? Won't you seek a God of light? There's so many people in this world who, you know, everything seems to be falling apart for them. And you wonder, why don't they just turn to God? I mean, what do they have to lose, right? Maybe someone here finds themselves in that boat today, and what do you have to lose? Turn to the God of light. And maybe you know somebody like that, and they're not in this room, or maybe they are. And maybe, though, maybe someone needs to tell them that there's a God of light. Maybe that somebody's you. There's a, I heard there's a church in Atlanta that tells their folks that uh, there's three cues that they teach. That when you hear one of these cues, you invite someone to church. And I don't know if I can remember them all off the top of my head. I should have written them down. But one of them is if someone, you know, a colleague, coworker, someone you just meet in the store. Uh, most of us aren't normally going to feel comfortable just saying, hey, you want to come to church? But so these are kind of like cues that you listen for. And one of them is, I'm new here. Because 
when someone's new to town, they don't have many friends, that kind of thing, network, they may be looking for a church, so you invite them to church. Another one is, we weren't prepared for this. We weren't prepared for this kid, or for this surgery, or for cancer, or for, you know, you could go down the list. And that's just a moment to say, hey, why don't you come to our church? And the other one was similar, and if I think of it, I'll tell you what it was. <laughs> but basically, when you run into someone, and they're telling you, boy, this, you know, this season of life is tough, or this season of life is different, or we're in a period of change, or we're not sure how to handle this, that's just an opportunity. Invite them to church. If the opportunity presents itself, tell them right there about Jesus doesn't have to be the whole story. Tell them a piece of the story that maybe is appropriate to what they're dealing with. Or maybe they'll say, yeah, I don't know about that church stuff. All those church people are hypocrites. And you can say, yeah, I don't know about all that, but you know, Jesus kind of had problems with hypocrites too. I know that much. <laughs> and we learn about him at church. Christians in the room today, are any of you forgetting who your father is? He's the father of lights. And may the children of the father of lights never stumble around needlessly in darkness, as we sometimes seem to do. In all of this, I'm not saying that if you turn to God, you'll never see darkness again. You know, it'll all be sunshine and roses from here on out. That's not the message I'm trying to send. I'm not saying that if you're dealing with those serious things that I mentioned before, in the form of abuse or depression, or all those things that, that when you cry out to God that all that's just going to be magically taken care of. He's a God of miracles and sometimes he does that for folks and sometimes he has different plans in mind. What I am saying is in fact as Christians sometimes I think we face more than our fair share of darkness. But we do it with hope and we do it with an inner light and we do it knowing that this God of light will always win because light always conquers darkness. Amen? Do you believe that? Light always conquers darkness. It's just how it is. If you turn on the light, it can't stay dark. In darkness, we're bound to stumble around. We're bound to face dangers and troubles and trials. But if we walk with our God and if he lives within us, then we have light and we have hope. Some things never change, I guess. For in the beginning, there was God. And therefore, there is light.
Let's pray together as the praise team comes up and it's going to lead us in a couple of songs. Almighty God of light, King of kings, Lord of lords, you alone are immortal and you alone live in unapproachable light, your word says. No one has seen or can see. I guess it's kind of like gazing at the sun, but (laughs) brighter. To you, O God, we say, you take the glory. To you be the power forever and ever. And may we who call on your name be children of light. And as we'll talk about in weeks to come, may we be bearers of your light into a dark world. O God of light, we pray that you drive away darkness. We know, God, and it is our hope that ultimately darkness will be completely vanquished and we'll live in the presence of your unchanging, faithful, constant light for the rest of our days. But in the meantime, God, we thank you that we can put our trust and our hope in a God whose character is that of goodness and of faithfulness. God, help us to walk in your light, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.